Heads up, there are some cheeky cheeky words in this. From the kitchen table, this is Gate Closed Panic. Maybe? Yeah, <laughs> it's level two. Hey. Okay, let's try again. <laughs> hey. Sorry. It's a terrible first impression. <laughs> I'm sorry. Hi. Nice to meet you. <laughs> oh dear. Alright, we got here last week, the person we went to the opposite end of the street, so it could be worse. Do you want a cup of tea? Yeah. I've had this particular conversation over and over through my young life, I think a lot of us probably have, and it goes along the lines of, I wish I was one of those people who knew exactly what they wanted to do, or I wish it had been clear to me from an early age, or maybe I should have spent less of my young life talking to myself in the Exeter toilets, or trying to learn to roller skate, or thinking I'd get into hobby fishing, and more of it, finishing study and getting into the real world. This week's guest, Jacinta, is a rare example of somebody who actually did know what she wanted to do and has done it. It's interesting to hear her talk about it because she just pushed through with a really singular focus and she's been able to do the work that she wants to do now and she's only 25. I think there is a lot of value in fucking about when you're a youth and Jazz makes some really lovely observations about what she's sacrificed by living the way that she has. But being able to be where you want to be and not feel like you're wasting your time and talent is a pretty enviable situation, I think. Jazz is the first woman in science that I've interviewed for the podcast, and it highlights to me how few women in these fields I spend time with now. The way she lives and what makes her passionate is so different to anything I usually hear about. Jazz is pretty soft-spoken and she's very considered in her answers, but I think she builds to some really wonderful, simple conclusions about knowing what you want, diligently pursuing it and overcoming the inevitable hurdles of building a life and a career and a set of interests around a field which is so historically fraught for women. It's a short, sweet and intimate listen and headphones are encouraged. Enjoy. This is a bit unceremonious, isn't it? I feel like we should all, there should be something that happens before we start. Yeah, so uh, when whenever you're ready, just um, introduce yourself with your name um, and what you do, and then I'll ask you a question and we'll go from there. Okay. Okay, cool. Yeah. When you're ready. I'll just throw into it. Okay. Right. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> bit of stage fright. Get over there. It's okay. All right. Tell me what your name is. All right. So my name's Jacinta Greer, mm-hmm. and I am a research student at the University of Adelaide. Yeah. So I'm studying a PhD in science. Okay. That's great. That's perfect. Yeah. Um, okay. So we'll just go right back from that. Tell me a little bit about your first sort of memories of being interested in something that was a job or that might have turned into an interest in work, whether it was at school or... Yeah, um, I guess it started in probably high school, when I got to high school, Mm -hmm. like uh, getting into science and math in year eight. Yeah, right. And sort of realising that actually I was quite 
good at those things and have a more interest in learning. Mm. And I sort of I never really had any standout interests in a one career or another. I just knew that I wanted to learn and continue learning. Yeah. So yeah. That's what's led me into this path of being a scientist is really yeah. that drive to keep learning. Yeah. Um when you were at school were you did school work for you? Were you somebody who was happy at school in terms of the learning environment? Yeah, I think it really did. Um I mean definitely I was one of those kids who really excelled in that environment. And yeah. Not everyone does, but it, it worked really well for me just mm. being able to go in and open myself up to knowledge and yeah. have that handed down for me really suits my learning style. So, mm. yeah. yeah, nice. Did you have um, kind of exceptional experiences with teachers? Yeah, I think um, I had a few standout teachers, especially when I got to uh, year 10. I had yeah. a very good maths teacher who was a woman so yeah. that's like a good role model yes um i also had a good female chemistry teacher physics teacher was really good as well yeah so, so it was well set up yeah so yeah good role models really enthusiastic about science yeah. and really good teachers as well yeah. yeah did you do extracurricular stuff while you were still at school um not very much i got i went on a few sort of science trips that mm. were organised for um, the higher achievers in the class and nice. we like did field trips around to the museums and the CSIRO and stuff like that. Yeah, so cool. A few of those things. Yeah. Um, you yeah. finished high school? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so when, you, when that was kind of wrapping up for you, mm-hmm. what were you thinking you would do next? Uh, I was very, I was very much focused on trying to get into university and mm. doing some kind of science degree. I was mm-hmm. looking to go into my first preference was for a bachelor of advanced science mm-hmm. at the University of Adelaide, and my second preference was, I think, a bachelor of psychology because mm-hmm. I'd done really well in year twelve physics and psych. Yeah, nice. Okay. So, yeah. So I knew I knew I wanted to get into sort of kind of research focused degree. Already that young, yeah, yeah, right. So what happened when you graduated? What did you end up doing? I uh, I ended up getting my first preference to go into Adelaide Uni, and mm-hmm. I started off doing physics and maths, um, trying to. I had to do some catch up subjects, um, those okay. uh, sort of the things that that were available in high school weren't. There wasn't enough math courses offered at my high school. Right, yeah. So I had to do some catch-up work. Yeah. Um, that sort of put me a bit behind yeah. um, the rest of the class. So I did struggle a bit in first year. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that's where I found um, geology, which is uh, what I ended up majoring in. Mm-hmm. Um, that was sort of my first exposure to that during mm-hmm. uh, first year undergrad. Really fell into it with a passion and nice yeah um what did you like about it what was appealing to you about it I think it really stood out as sort of a it's one of those sciences that draws on a lot of other fields yeah so, like whereas 
physics and chemistry are more, they can be certainly more focused, mm-hmm. whereas um, where I am now, it's sort of at an intersection between chemistry and biology and nice. geology. Yeah. So it's that ability to take different fields and combine them in a way that helps increase our understanding of the natural world. Mm. And that really, that's really what appealed to me. Yeah. Um, before we get too kind of far ahead of ourselves, um, when you were growing up and still living with adults, were you living with your parents? Yes. Yeah. What did your parents do? Uh, my dad is a chef, mm-hmm. so he's had various roles throughout my childhood that always sort of moving up through um, that career path. Yeah. So, yep. Starting as a cook and then mm. um, becoming a chef for a while. He was uh, a co-manager of a hotel mm. for quite a bit of my childhood mm-hmm. in charge of the kitchen and moved into a more executive position. Um, what was uh, what was the sort of um, culture in your home around work and education? That was, I think both my parents are quite work. Yeah. Um, my mum works in the library. She's been working there for most of my sort of teen life. Mm. Before that she had a different job. She was working, worked at the hotel with my dad as well mm. for a while. Um, so they've always, always been quite dedicated workers. Yeah. But yeah. Um, neither of them have uh, been to university. Yeah. So first one in their little family unit to go out to university. Right. Were they encouraging of that? They were, yeah. Yeah. Nice. Um, Were you – so just to give some context to my questions in the kind of next bit of the conversation, Mm -hmm. I think because because the – I want the podcast to focus – to to, um, function, pardon me, sort of as a a little bit like a resource. So I think it's a – it's good to kind of stop as you kind of walk through your story, your, your sort of career story, um, and acknowledge the kind of leg ups that you had along the yeah. way, um, but also the things that were real hurdles for you. Yeah. Um, and I think at this this point, kind of coming out of high school and into university, the kind of home environment that you're coming from and um, – where you're living and how you're able to live and yeah. those sorts of things are really yeah. um, kind of valuable to yeah. acknowledge. Um, where were you living when you were studying in your undergrad? Uh, yeah, so when I started undergrad, I was still living at home mm. and I was able to continue living at home throughout my undergrad. Mm. So that really put me in a good position. I didn't have to worry about making rent or mm. um, finding a place to live or anything like that. So yeah. that was a huge advantage to yeah. me. Did you ever have a part-time job? Uh, no, I didn't. I, um, Lucky you. Yeah. <laughs> fortunately, um, my parents were in a position where they could kind of support me through and I didn't have to get part-time work. So. Nice. Um, how I don't I don't know this, and I'm sure I'm I'm probably not the only one. Um, how did your degree? How was the structure of it? Like, how does it work 
um, in a Bachelor of Advanced Science. Uh, so the Bachelor of Advanced Science is a sort of more research-focused degree. It's mm. sort of, I was in the first year of it, so it's probably changed since I started, but mm. it was very much geared towards um, equipping the students that uh, studied in that degree to move on to higher research. Mm. So it was yeah, basically taking a Bachelor of Science degree and the freedom that that offers to move between sort of physics and chemistry and biology, but taking out a couple of the electives each year and replacing them with more research-oriented okay. uh, things. Like we had a subject that was all about reading and interpreting interpreting scientific papers. Yeah. We had subjects where we would go around to some of the researchers at the university and interview them about what they did and wow. sort of present that back to the class. And uh, it sort of culminated in third year with a guided research project. Okay. So we took, uh, we had a semester to come up with a little sort of mini thesis and mm. like have a go at sort of practicing for our honours year mm. um, during our undergrad. So nice. Yeah. So did you you pitch your own um, topic? Yeah. So, what did you do? Uh, so I did my topic for that. Um, <laughs> so I've been basically I've been doing the same topic for my entire career. This is what I wondered. Yeah. yeah. So um, yeah, I was very fortunate in that. In that way, I was sitting in a second-year elective, um, climate change, and the lecturer out the front just one day put out a call saying, hey, is anyone in the audience a geology student, and would you be interested in like, coming to talk after class? And I went along after class that day, and he outlined what his research was focused on mm. and sort of floated the idea of a potential honours um, project that he was thinking of and mm -hmm. I was there saying, oh, well, uh, I've got a few years left in my PhD, I'm not quite ready for honours, but mm. it's a very interesting sounding project. So yeah, I got to do a little bit of that as my, as my third year project. Nice. Uh, yeah, started the ball rolling on that research and yeah. then I moved on to expand on that in honours and then I've expanded on that further in my PhD. Mm. So, yeah. um, in terms of sort of your, your outlook um, when you were going into honours, did you go straight in after your, um, yeah. your undergrad? I was going to call it a BA. <laughs> Okay, so when you were kind of looking out at a potential working life, was it always research and academia that was appealing to you? Yeah, it was. Um, uh, in I think in year ten, I did a uh, work experience, mm. um, and through uh, good luck, my best friend happened to have a dad who worked at the University of Adelaide mm. in the geology department. Wow. And what happens? And, so I managed to get in um, doing that, and I, that was sort of my first exposure to actual, the actual scientific world. Yeah. 
kind of outside of high school and I just looked at them because everyone there and everyone was so happy and really <laughs> loving what they did and I was like this, this is really it this is where I think I want to be wow and so everything since then has been sort of getting me to this point so yeah focused on doing sort of everything that I can to get into this research role so yeah. I think I've always you know since then I've always been focused on trying to get into research mm-hmm. So other than the small kind of project that you did at the end of your undergrad, how did you find actually really moving into research in earnest in your honours? It's a shift, Mm. Um, yeah. Um, Fortunately, um, taking that advanced science degree put me in a better position because I had some experience of research prior. Mm. But it is a big shift moving from sort of this lecture-based, um, being taught things to a more sort of self-teaching mm. and also mentoring sort of environment. So in honours and PhD, it's very, very much uh, sort of self-guided learning yeah. and also learning from supervisors and uh, other lab staff mm-hmm. and also your peers, like learning from and teaching your peers. So you do have a peer community? Yeah, so um, there's certainly the cohort of PhD students at or on the students um, studying at the same time. It's quite a strong community and then within that there's uh, the community doing similar research to me. So um, I studied sort of paleoclimate stuff, so yeah, reconstructing past environments and past climate change events. And so there's a smaller group of PhD students who are studying that kind of thing. Mm. And then within within that, there's a couple of supervisors that sort of guide that research. And so mm. um, I guess the closest knit peer group is the other PhD students who are directly supervised by the same supervisors. Yeah. Okay, so it's not so isolating as it can be for some people. Yeah. Yeah, okay, I've heard that before from other people who do research in the sciences. I did my honours, but in sociology, so I did a BSOC-SI, which sounds similar to what you did, which is just essentially a BA, but with research. Yeah. Is it cool when you have to do it? You know what I mean? The subjects yeah. that aren't electives. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah but I got to honours and was just alone. constantly alone but I I guess if your research can't just take place at a desk in your bedroom then you are more likely to come across people more yeah okay cool so straight from honours into PhD yeah 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 no breaks (laughs) far out I I, I wouldn't advise it (laughs) you wouldn't yeah what would you do differently I think um time yeah myself yeah not just trying to power through three little degrees in a row <laughs> or yeah. big degrees in a row yeah pretty big yeah. yeah so how old are you now I'm 25 and how old will you be when you finish your PhD I will be 27 probably yeah okay yeah. so it's a lot of your young life at university yeah. This is something that I was thinking about as well when I 
have been considering doing my PhD, yeah. that you essentially end up spending your entire youth at university. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which, you know, is a privileged problem to have. But yeah, absolutely. having a bit of time off, I think, I don't know, I guess it has a bit of value. Yeah. What do you wish that you had done? If you think you'd had more time to yourself, what would you have done? Um, I'm not sure. I don't, really, I don't really know what I would have done. I might have travelled a bit, but yeah. I've um, been fortunate enough to travel quite a bit through my PhD. Oh, really? Wow. Yeah, so the geology undergrad programme was quite, sort of features of quite a lot of field work and then right. um, a little trip to New Zealand in honours. Nice. And then I've done field work for my honours and PhD up in Queensland, so I've had a good opportunity to travel through my work, but yeah. that's, not, that's been not too bad. Mm. And I took some time off during my first year to travel to the UK, which is something that I always wanted to do, so yeah. I've had some breaks, but I think it might have been, sp been smarter just to space those out between things rather than trying to cram it all in at the same time. Is there a reason you decided to just do it bumper to bumper like that? Um, I think wanting, wanting to get it done. Mm -hmm. um, as you say, you know, there's, it is a large part of your young life that you spend researching if you do it that way, but I think it gives you the opportunity to get out into the wider community sooner that's true well. so yeah yeah and I do I do think there is something to be said for kind of having done all of that and gotten it out of the way and then just being able to do the work that you want to do yeah kind of as soon as possible I suppose yeah I think that was the main motivation for me mm. yeah. yeah okay so what will the rest of your PhD kind of look like for you what do your days look like, um, weeks, whatever's relevant? Yeah, so my days and weeks, they're sort of split between doing lab work mm. and then um, reading and writing science. So, yeah, I've got have some lab work to do at the moment. I'm pretty focused on getting through... Do you um, have to? Do you have to teach in your or like tu tutor? Yeah, do you have to tutor? Uh, you don't have to tutor. I've done a bit of tutoring in my time, and mm -hmm. I've um, taken some time out to mentor a few honors students nice. and sort of show them the ropes in the lab or mm -hmm. help them prepare talks. But none of that's really mandatory. So there's a lot of flexibility. <laughs> there's a lot of flexibility with how you use your time. I, I mostly spend my time. At the moment, doing lab work. Yeah. Um, then also uh, between meetings, like so, meeting with my supervisor to sort of keep myself on track with making sure that I've read enough of the new literature, um, making sure that I'm writing the different parts of my thesis that I need to be working on at the mm. time, um, making sure everything in the lab is going along smoothly. Mm. Uh, we also meet as a lab group so my supervisor our lab manager and then all the, all the PhD students who are studying with my supervisor nice and so we sort of throw our, throw our ideas around and collaborate um, 
offer each other feedback on our work and things like that. So that's kind of one of the main parts of my week. Nice. Do you have a good relationship with your supervisor? Sorry, you go ahead. It's okay. Mm. It's really pink. (laughs) (laughs) Is it all right? I haven't had that one in a while. Yeah, it's nice. Okay, good. All right. Um, Yeah, do you have a good relationship with your supervisor? Yeah, I have a really good relationship with my supervisor. Um, Is it a different person to honours? Same. Um, it's the same. It's not the one that first introduced me to the, my project. Okay. So he's my um, co-supervisor. Yeah. Um, my primary supervisor is someone who I met during my undergrad. It was uh, one of the researchers. She just started at the university, I think that year or the year prior. So um, when I got given the task to go interview a new researcher, so she was one of the researchers who I interviewed for that undergrad nice. program. And, yeah, we just um, clicked, really. Nice. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, she's been really, really good for me and really supportive yeah. um, throughout my undergrad and honours and PhD. It's been a really good working relationship. Nice, which makes such a difference. Yeah, it does. Um, Ian, I was going to ask you before... Um, do you, do you, when you do your PhD in your field, do you hop, always hop on an existing project or can you do something on your own? I think the option is there to do something on your own, um, certainly, or to branch off from a different project. Okay. Um, I think it's probably more common to either fall into an existing project yeah. and do some work that needs to be done in that water sort of branch off and do your own thing but within that um, existing research frame just um, in terms of sort of getting the funding it's a lot easier if it's already an established project yes yeah absolutely yeah okay and well speaking of funding is that how you live now yeah yeah Yeah, so I've um, I my scholarship to do my PhD qualifies it which is the Australian Government Scholarship Mm. so Nice. And what kind of sort of, what kind of a lifestyle does this give to you living on the scholarship, but also just the structure of your week? What does that afford you, I suppose? Uh, I think it affords me a degree of flexibility. So because um, it's not like undergrad where you have a whole heap of free time between your classes, but it's very much because it's a self-driven research project. Mm. You sort of can choose when and how you do the work. So yeah. there is that flexibility to work from home. If you're just reading papers and writing, you can do that. Or yeah. if you need to shift um, your hours around to accommodate for other things during the week, it's very easy to do that because you are really the manager of your own time. Yes. So you can budget that. Yeah, and if, if that if that's the right thing for you, then it's really good. Yeah. Not living at home anymore? No. Okay, are you in share house? Yeah, I'm in share house. Nice, yeah. okay. Cool, so that kind of brings us up to now. I think the only, the only sort of things that I like to kind of close on are just the cheapest possible questions. <laughs> yeah. But essentially, I just want to 
to ask if there's anything that I haven't asked you anything kind of pertinent mm. in your story leading up to now that I've missed take your time yeah. <laughs> it's okay I can always edit out silences yeah I don't know um, oh you've got your notes I've got my notes yeah <laughs> I, I redid my notes this morning with my partner <laughs> <laughs> no 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 I think we've covered most of it yeah okay um is there anything you kind of want to that you see on the horizon for yourself it, whether it's your career or your study or just in your life that you are kind of hoping to do next after this kind of stage is over yeah I guess I'm I'm hoping to continue in research so mm-hmm. that would mean looking for a, a postdoctoral position yeah. at a university somewhere mm-hmm. um, hopefully in a field of similar as possible to what I'm doing now I'm really mm-hmm. really interested in climate researching climate change or um, especially past climate change as to what I do now so yeah pretty pretty passionate about that so, yeah yeah do you want to stay here um not necessarily tied to Adelaide um I don't think it's very easy to do the work that I do if you are tied to one place mm. um, which um, unfortunately can be a bit of a limiting factor especially for young women in science that um, have a, quite a hard time sort of navigating that I can yeah um, okay I think our society uh, affords a lot more freedom to young men to sort of move around wherever their careers take them yeah. when they're often expected to sort of stay and build uh, connections where they are Okay. So, but um, fortunately, um, my partner and I are quite flexible with where we live. And okay. Sort of, I don't know, I'm rambling, but. <laughs> You're not rambling, no, not at all. What does your partner do? My partner's uh, not working at the moment, mm. but um, they are study. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, they study um, dance and movement therapy. And wow! Stuff, and they've got quite a um, they've quite a strong community in Melbourne to okay. do that, yeah. and they're quite tied in with that world. Uh, they've moved back from Melbourne recently, so right. So if you end up on the east coast, it'll be yeah. easy for you guys to yeah. both go back. Yeah. Nice. That's good. Okay. That's pretty much it. Unless there's anything else you want to add, then. We've done it. You've done it. Well done. (laughs) Was it horrible? Um, No, not really. (laughs) Good. There's a storm outside, so I'm sorry if this is a really noisy recording. Uh, In any case, if you know someone in a field that I haven't covered or just somebody you'd like to interview, let me know. I'm totally at the mercy of other people making introductions to keep the podcast going. Also, just a heads up, I'm going abroad for a couple of months in July and August, and I'm still figuring out how I'm going to manage the podcast during that period, but I'll just keep you posted. If you have any questions for me or for Jazz, 
just reach out to me. Also like and follow us on Facebook and Instagram and always keep an eye on the Instagram for a bit of bonus content. I'm really excited about the next few guests that I have lined up and I'll be back in two weeks with the first one of those. Until then, I've been Saren Bell. This has been Get Close Panic. I will see you in a fortnight.